everyone. It's meteorologist Joe Martucci. We are starting off February here with our Something in the Air podcast. We are recapping the warm and not snowy month that was. Some would call it March or April. We're going to call it January. That's what the calendar says. Joined with me is New Jersey State Climatologist, Dr. Dave Robinson, as we do always. Dr. Robinson, thanks for being with us today. Great to be here again this month. Yeah, and uh, are you, let me ask you, are you fully recovered from the AMS conference, the American Meteorological Society conference in Boston? We spent a good amount of time together a couple weeks ago. Well, recovered from that, I don't know if I could be, uh, but the conference <laughs> itself, conference itself, sure. <laughs> you know, we came back here and within a couple of days, we're jumping right into the new semester. So that's kind of a, a fading memory right now, but um, it was great. Great um, conference. Uh, it's good seeing you and others from the broadcast and media community. Um, my regular climate colleagues and cohort, um, the director of the Cocoraz Precipitation Observing Program. Spent a lot of time with him, and uh, including going to a Boston Celtics game. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Who was putting that game? That was on Wednesday night, right? Yeah, the Pistons beat the Celtics, and I Ooh. was there with the uh, the director of the Kokoraz program and the uh, director of the National Drought Mitigation Center from out at the gotcha. University of Nebraska, Mark's flip. Right now, I, I remember. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You can go. You can go first. No, I apologize. Oh, his name's Mark's Svoboda. Henry Regis is the Kokoraz director out of Colorado State. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, I remember I was watching you. You were on a panel with, I believe it was three other state climatologists. I know you're a very busy guy at this, uh, at all these AMS conferences, but just tell us kind of what talks you were part of, what panels you were part of, and if there's anything you took away that would benefit the state of New Jersey from it. Yeah, the, the, the panel you mentioned had to do with the fact that at the end of this year, there'll be a recomputing of climate normals. Right now, when we talk about it's three degrees above normal, generally the period of record we're comparing it to, that normal period, is 1981 to 2010, the last 30-year period that's divisible by decade. So we'll be transitioning after this year to 1991 to 2020 normals. So we were talking about the ramifications of that, how we sh should approach that. Are there other normals we should look at? And, and the panel was led by Dr. Michael Pilecki, who's at the National Centers for Environmental Information. And he is the, going to be in charge of computing these new normals. And on the panel uh, was Dan Leathers, who's state climatologist of Delaware, and Art DiGatano, who is the director of the Northeast Regional Climate Center and a professor at um, Cornell. Dan is at the University of Delaware. So it was really Eastern centric, um, but we are speaking for the nation of, of, as a whole, of course. Gotcha. Would that just be because the Mid-Atlantic region is the best part of the United States? Oh, well, yeah, of course it is. And also the fact yeah. that Dr. Pilecki Dr. Leathers and myself are very good friends, and I think <laughs> our arms get on that, be, sit on that panel. But it's really interesting. A lot of spirited discussion from the audience, and you know what constitutes a real normal, 
And I, I should add, the reason why we look at these 30-year periods, it's an international convention, first of all, so you can compare across nations. But it's also a long enough period that generally things average out over that period for temperature and for precipitation. So it's long enough for that, but it's not so long that you start losing a lot of stations that go into computing them, stations that don't have very mm -hmm. long records. So it's kind yeah. of an old compromise. But nowadays, with stuff in computer format, you can calculate 40-year normals, 10-year normals, 12-year normals, anything you like. But again, this is the international convention. So that was one of the panels. I also um, gave a talk on state climate offices and the services we provide uh, to our states. Uh, so I was representing the American Association of State Climatologists. And, uh, and in that session, we heard from someone from the National Centers for Environmental Information, um, someone, another regional climate center individual, there's six of those around the nation, our newest minted state climatologist, um, she, Kathy Dello, is at um, the North Carolina State Climatologist after quite a few years as the assistant state climatologist of uh, Oregon. And then I was in that session. So, and I'm the longest serving state climatologist. So we had the newest and the longest serving. Though I was introduced- I didn't know that. I was introduced as the oldest and I took umbrage to that. I'm the longest serving, but I'm not quite the oldest. I, I would agree. I, don't, I definitely don't think you're old. You have plenty more years up in the tank. Yeah, well, I'm pretty close to being the oldest too. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and then I had a poster um, that looked at snow cover across Northern hemisphere continents, which is my research uh, expertise. Mm -hmm. And we were looking at evolving snow cover trends in the fall and spring seasons across Northern Hemisphere. It's really quite interesting. Um, I've long documented uh, for the last 30 years, uh, earlier uh, the early melt off of snow in the spring. But in the last decade, what we've noted is an upswing in snow cover in the fall. Uh, a very interesting and uh, I won't say controversial, but certainly perplexing situation now. Um, perplexing to some. Um, I've got a feel for why I think it's happening and it has to do with the availability of moisture in the atmosphere and circulation mm -hmm. patterns, and the fact that where these snows are falling in October and November are the higher latitudes where it's cold enough, even in October right. and November to get snow. Um, so, right. But it's still a really interesting ripe area for study. Well, let me see what else. Oh, and, and two of my graduate students had posted <laughs> that I worked with them on as well. So wonderful week, uh, terrific people, really enthused about the, you know, the wild world of weather and climate, um, you know, 6,000 or so of your close friends. And, uh, you know, of course, the most amazing part about it was arriving that Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, it was 74 degrees in Boston. Oh, my God. That yeah. Is yeah, it was it was warmer than New Jersey, I believe it was warmer than Atlantic City, uh, Atlantic City International Airport that day. None of our stations in New Jersey got over 70. Not only was it <laughs> 74 degree record day in Boston. It was the warmest on record for the month of January 
in Boston. Oh, yeah. Concentric. Yeah. Well, for, for the people who aren't familiar, we, there's, there is some saying that I have heard that when the uh, AMS conference happens, there's always some kind of wacky weather that happens when you get, I think it's just the feng shui of the universe gets a little off kilter. So uh, I remember that was, you know, of course, what we saw in Boston. I remember when I was in New Orleans in 2012, it was also record high temperatures, which meant pool weather because it was in the 80s. And uh, Austin was actually very cold, at least the start. It was in the 30s, uh, which is cold for them, and then and, and eventually moderated. I, do you, can you remember anything else that was wacky while you were at an AMS conference? Oh, the last time it was in New Orleans was three years ago or so, and it mm -hmm. snowed the day before we got there because my taxi driver yeah. was telling me how his kids never seen snow before and they were making a little snowman. And then years before that, uh, it was in San Antonio, and I recall seeing icicles hanging from the palm trees outside the Alamo. Um, it was a very, severe ice, a very severe ice storm that closed down the city for the most part. Um, so, oh yeah, I, I, we've had some strange weather, but you know that 74 in Boston is warmer than New Brunswick, New Jersey in 125 years of record has not gotten above 73 in January. So Boston. All-time warmest January temperature now exceeds the all-time January high here in New Brunswick. Just absolutely crazy. It was a ridiculous day. I I think a couple times I said this is just ridiculous. It's like too warm outside. Now it was real windy that day too. Uh, so it wasn't maybe the nicest to be outside, but it was definitely one where you wanted to be outside for at least a little bit. And that has been. The theme of January, warm. Uh, we at Lancaster International Airport had the eighth warmest January. Now, that's going back to 1943. So how did the rest of South Jersey fare during the month of January? Were we all in this top 10? Did we finish out in the top 10? Uh, South Jersey, on average, uh, ranked uh, 6.9 degrees above normal and ranked eighth, just like the airport. Eighth, okay. That right. is going back to 1895 even so more impressive much more uh, more impressive than just the airport itself so yeah it was right. uh, uh, a very warm january and, and interestingly enough january is one of the months in new jersey that is warming but warming at the slowest pace of any other month december huh. and february are warming much faster twice as fast and for some reason um, again, something of interest to study. Um, January statewide is warming at about 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit per century, whereas February, February and December are warming about four and a half to five degrees per century. Jeez. So okay. The yeah. Core of winter is not warming as rapidly as kind of the shoulder months of November, December, February, and March. And uh, gotcha. Something that would be a good senior honors project, or maybe even a master's project. Um, mm. I'm definitely huh. working with a school. Well, anybody listening, you want to do a little master's project, you know where to find us. You can talk to us. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get you going. And then you can be one of the many people that Dave Robinson knows at the AMS conference when you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you did know a lot of people. I remember sitting there with you that, that Sunday for the gala. I think you pointed out to me maybe like 20 people that you knew within eyesight. So... Uh, I have a ways to go to get to your level of popularity. 
Well, I, I tell you, it was wonderful standing by my poster for two hours, one on Tuesday afternoon, and having a number of my former interns um, come by to say hello and just see how they're in the profession. These were undergraduate interns in the right. semester or summer. Have them come back and see how successful they've been. It's just wonderful. Just wonderful. It is. I was out to dinner one night with one of my PhD students from 20 years ago, along with one from 10 years ago, along with one she's just finishing up this spring. So like three <laughs> generations of my PhD students. Three generations. All of us. So you're like what, the, uh, the, the great grandfather of Rutgers, uh, Rutgers climatology? Well, one looks at that. It's funny. Some people speak of a family lineage. So I'm a grandfather in yeah. terms of my PhD students have had PhD students of their own. I Hopefully I'm not oh. a great grandfather yet. Right, yeah, we, we don't want that just yet. Good point, good point. Now, the interesting thing going back to January, and, and if you guys have been listening over the past couple of months, we usually say the low temperatures are the ones that are really carrying the weight for the month, meaning that they're always the one that's more above average than the high temperatures. But this month, not so true. High temperatures were actually, at least at the airport, uh, fourth yeah. all time. Low temperatures were tense. So was that normal? Did you see that across uh, South Jersey as well? And could you speak a little bit about how unusual that's been lately, if it has been unusual lately? Yes. South Jersey-wide, the highs rank seventh warmest and the lows tenth warmest. So they're pretty okay. close. Um, I don't make gotcha. a lot of that, but you're right. In a, in a globally warming world where we have more greenhouse gases, they tend to keep the um, daytime heat from escaping into space at night. So the nights tend to be warming more than the days. But you know, it gets a little tricky in winter because in winter you can have frontal passages during the night. And I know quite a few nights in January, days in January, the low for the day was achieved in the late evening, not around sunrise. Mm -hmm. So that really throws yep. off a little bit. In the summer, generally, your mid-afternoon's the hottest and about 6 a.m.'s your coolest. But in the winter, it can vary quite a bit. And I did notice that this month, and that might explain some of it. But um, oh, okay. in general, this uh, warm, nights warming faster than days is something we've seen, and we have seen, definitely seen it in South Jersey uh, over it. the... Uh, uh, recent decades and during the winter season, I might add, it's not just a summer phenomenon. So a little out of the ordinary this month, but nothing, uh, nothing excessively so. And you know that may have something to do with the fact that it was a pretty windy month. Um, we didn't have okay. nor'easter, um, but we had quite a few days when the winds were gusty, and that mixes up the air at night. So it uh, it tends to um, tends to keep the temperatures more uniform across the area and and the nighttime lows maybe will mix up and get a little cooler um so i i don't know but it's just one month but right something to talk about. something to chew on i guess we're talking absolutely yeah right <laughs> now i know a lot of people here because i've heard it are praying screaming begging for just a couple of snowflakes and we really, so the Mother Nature did not really deliver during the month of January. We had a big fat zero at Atlantic City International Airport for snow for the month, which was 
either the sixth or the seventh time, depending on if you want to include some missing days in one year. But uh, Kate May saw nothing either. Just just give us the – we'll say the bad news. I'm a snow lover. Just just give us the bad news on what happened in January and why it was. Yeah. I could kid you and say <laughs> we've had feet up here in central New Jersey, but <laughs> um, I don't even think about that. I think you'd be lying. Uh, yeah, looking at from Burlington and Ocean County South, uh, on average, based on our long-term index, a tenth of an inch of snow fell in, in January. That's <laughs> five point seven. You know, it's five point seven inches below average, so it's it's about a half a foot below average. And it yeah. was the ninth time that going back to 1895, so the ninth time in 126 years that either zero or point one inches of snow fell in January. So it's about something you see once every 10 to 15 years, um, but it's far from unprecedented. Now, right up here in central Jersey, we average two inches, North Jersey, 2.9. Uh, the state as a whole, 1.3 inches, and that came in as 11th uh, least snowy. And everywhere was about a half a foot below average. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, for the whole season, um, since the first flake of snow fell, New Jersey is at four and a half inches. Uh, North and central Jersey had a bit of snow, especially North Jersey, the first half of December. Um, so that four and a half inches is again, well below average, um, but it only ranks as the 19th slowest start of the last 126 okay. winters. Right. And interestingly, right. if, worse. if another flake doesn't fall this winter, it still wouldn't go down as the least snowy winter on record. It would go down as the third least snowy. We've had two winters uh -huh. all through till the spring. It's been less than four and a half inches for the state. Um, oh my God. Now, who who knows what's going to come? I can tell you, and you can tell everyone, the next week or two, not a big chance of snow. Um, yeah, no. We have to talk. I mean, God, I'm sorry. God, you, you finish. You finish. I was going to say, the last three winters, I haven't looked for South Georgia, but statewide, the last three winters are snow seasons. The snowiest month of the season was March. It's not happened before. Three mm. in a row. Could this be four in a row? I mean, it's going to go, it's got the possibility. <laughs> it might be by the fall. <laughs> yeah, because everything else has been so puny. Now we'll have to see what February has to bring. Um, yeah. But again, it's one thing I've looked at the records. When you start off a season this slow, um, it's tough to even catch up to normal because you'd almost have to have twice as much as normal the rest of the season. Yeah. And to get yeah. an abnormal snowy season is exceedingly difficult. But, 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 I will add, it only takes one rogue snowstorm to put down a foot and a half of snow in Atlantic City, and there That's you are right. in the record book for the season. So, yeah. it, snow is, you know, it's, it's a tough thing. You know, you say, what's average? Here in New Brunswick, we've had as few as somewhere along the lines of four inches in a winter, and we've had as many as 78 inches in a winter. So it's average snowfall is really hardly <laughs> worth talking about. You want to just look at the range that can occur. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. You know, that was going to be my follow-up question. Like, 
Like, do you even take into account average snowfall? And, you know, if the answer is no, like, what do you think is better? Is it really the range? Is it the number of times it snows in the season? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, that's a great question. I, I think the average gives you, I, I think it's useful because you can say, you know, Cape May, it's 12 inches, New Brunswick, it's 26 inches, and up towards high point, it's like 56 inches. So it gives you a sense. Um, but you might even break it into compartments, uh, lower, middle, uh, thirds, upper thirds, or quarters. So it gives you an idea of the frequency. I, I think that's important. How often do you have, you know, the lower quartile of what you get? And, um, right. And what are those totals? So you can look at it two-way. You can take the average and say, how often do we have less than half of average how often do we have twice the average so i i think just an average doesn't provide enough information particularly for a variable like snowfall which is so variable um yeah i want to know how often and, and as you imagine it's what we call bounded by zero so if the average is 25 inches and you have 75 inches one year you can't have minus 25 inches to balance that. <laughs> Even though it feels like it. So it's what we call skew um, towards, right. really the average is a little higher than what we call the median, which is halfway, half above and half below. Right, uh, so right. I can't yeah. hit my head tell you what the median is, but it's, it's usually a couple inches lower than the average. Got it, got it. So averages, what you're saying to everybody, it might be a little overinflated for what actually you, you know, would be halfway below and halfway above, which yeah. maybe some people think of when they think of an average. <laughs> um, one, thing, one thing I can tell you for sure, we're having a really low snow winter thus far, and there's yeah, no time. we're struggling. No time. Yeah, we're struggling, and I think, I mean, who needs Florida? When you have something like this, fairly even snows, you can just stay right here in New Jersey. You don't have to travel down. Maybe it's not as warm as it is in Florida, but you know, if you want to just stay snow free, Jersey's the place to be, at least for now. Um, you know, but as we go forward in time, you know, with this, does this play any role into, you know, wildfire season, which is always huge here in the Pine Barrens part of South Jersey, or even the growing season? I would say not yet. Um, okay. The if we were really, really dry and snow-free, we could, and, and, and it, it has been on the dry side. Um, it was, uh, precipitation was below average um, this past month, um, about an inch, inch and a quarter below average. Um, you can have wildfires in, in the Pinelands in February. If yeah, the air can be very dry, um, the, the all the debris from last fall, the neat pine needles and the leaves on the ground. Um, and, and you can get a windy day and you can have a brush fire. Uh, it's much better if you have snow on the ground to keep that down. But the real yeah. threat come if we, we get dry in March and, and certainly to be in April. Um, so I'm not too worried about that right now, um, but- okay. we, Certainly keep an eye on that as we do every year as we get into the uh, late winter and early spring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, 
you know, you have on your website, I believe, right? A good fire monitoring uh, uh, tool, I'll say, at your disposal. We have a, we have a tool for the uh, U.S. Forest Service and New Jersey Forest Service. It's not directly accessible to the public, um, but what it does is give them a heads up on when uh, the region, both the forest in the north, and we have ones from the Pinelands, and it gives them a heads up, color-coded watch and warning codes, if you will, that they've, they've told us when they worry about winds, um, speed, humidity. We even have some sensors that measure fuel moisture, um, how much rainfall of yet of late, um, temperatures. So if you've got a hot, windy day with low humidity and it's been dry for a while, our spreadsheet that we provide uh, to the uh, firefighting community just lights up. Um, right. Yeah. And, and it tells them what, a couple of things. One, no, they could get out of control. Uh, number two, mm -hmm. there's a great forest fire threat. And yes, we have fires burning and the conditions are still dangerous for the spread of more or the, um, spread of a fire or the, the beginnings of additional fires. And, um, right. you know, the wonderful thing about that, it's a climate service. We provide these folks, but we worked with them to develop this index. We didn't just say, hey, here you go. Here's what I think you'd like. <laughs> Sat down with them and said, here's what we have. How could we use this to help you? And they told us. And that's just a wonderful way of developing um, a good rapport with the user community, people who need to make decisions, um, because they're the ones that help helping us decide how best to keep them abreast of conditions. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important to know, you know, you uh, as part of climate, you know, state climate office, you're working with multiple different agencies, you know, as well as the media. I think most people probably hear us, you know, whether it's either through this podcast or whether it's with other media outlets across the state, but you know, really working with other government entities is, uh, is you know, I would say probably one of your most valuable pieces of what you do, right? Oh, yeah, there, there's no question. Uh, whether it's the Office of Emergency Management, the Department of Environmental Protection, uh, Department of Transportation, uh, and this could be at the state level or lower levels, or it could be up at, say, the Port Authority uh, for transportation issues. Um, we deal with so many different departments of health. I shouldn't put that far. And of course, agriculture. Um, that's sure. what makes the job so fascinating, that there's always some applied issue or problem out there that needs weather or longer term climate data to help that user community, to help the decision makers um, decide something, whether it's a short term decision, an emergency situation, or something unfolding over a much, much longer term, something that might yeah. involve climate change, but may have on the short term, absolutely nothing to do with anything but the conditions right now. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I want to turn back to the uh, the lack of snow for just one more question here, because it got me thinking. I remember, God, you know, I don't remember what year this was. Not too long ago, Paul Kosin, um who is a, a kind of a winter weather expert here in the Northeast. I remember I went to a talk with him. It might have even been Atlantic City. And he said that we're living in the good old days 
of snow. And what he meant was in the 2010s and even into the 2000s. You know, we're just so lucky we're getting all these big snowstorms. And maybe, you know, I was thinking maybe that run's just kind of coming to an end. So do you think that's true? Do you think we were kind of just really active with snow the past, let's say, 15 years? Or, you know, it, we just kind of the pattern that we're in this season is just kind of the pattern that we're in this season. No, I would um, definitely agree with Paul, who he's another one of those people. I've known him for more than 30 years. Uh, he <laughs> has written a definitive book, along with the current director of the National Weather Service, Louis Ussolini. Uh, the two of them have written the definitive multi-volume set on nor'easter snowstorms. Yes. Anyone's a real, well, if anyone's really into those storms, they absolutely know that already. Um, but yeah. really fascinating accounts of many, many major snowstorms, historically speaking, up to recent years. And, and I, I agree. If you look at snowfall averages for the last decade or two, above some earlier decades in the last century or half century, and, and if you look at the number of major snowstorms we've had during um, recent decade or two, uh, there, there's quite a few. There are really quite a few. And we've seen them in Boston had a horrible set of storms one winter. And then 2010, I guess it was down Snowmageddon down in Baltimore and Washington. And we've shared mm -hmm. in on a number of those. Um, you know, we all, you and I have talked often about the December um, 26, 2010 storm right along. Yeah, up my park. favorite snowstorm. Yeah, up the parkway, and uh, yeah, I, you know, we still had, you know, the the '93 um, March snowstorm, uh, in particular the '96 January '96 storm, um, and and back and back and back before that. But we've had our share of large snows in the last two decades, and 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 quite and several really snowy winters. Uh, among the yeah. 10 warmest, uh, excuse me, the 10 snowiest winters. So yeah, um, snowfall data for New Jersey does not show any change um, over the long term in terms of snow. We're, we're getting a little wetter, we're getting warmer. Um, maybe that's partly due to the fact that I said January isn't as warming as much as some of the other winter months. And, you know, yeah. Mentioned late December snow and a couple of January snows. Um, yeah, don't give, I mean, snow lovers out there, I'm not saying we're going into an era of less snow right away. I'm not saying there's any demonstrable um, periodicity to this. Um, the state is warming and eventually um, you're gonna get that temperature over the magic freezing mark and a snowstorm from the past will be a rainstorm of the future. But right now, mm -hmm. I think we can really say that we've reveled in uh, for snow lovers, um, and and people have to realize this is not an every year phenomenon. Um, a ten inch plus snowstorm up here in New Brunswick is something you only see every couple of years. Yet earlier this decade, we had three in one winter, very <laughs> unusual. Yeah. So I, I think. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about this. It gets into the anecdotal side of things. Um, people tend to remember the winters that were snowy. Um, they remember the snowstorms. They don't remember the winters where it hardly snowed or right. you know, the winters where you couldn't get a 
big plowable snow, but you might have a few little ones. Um, memory, is, memory is selective and it tends to tend, trend towards the extremes. You remember the extremes and you tend to remember extreme snowy winter more than an extremely low amount of snow in the winter. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because it's something I think we kind of, I've kind of seen it on Twitter a little bit on the Weather Twitter universe. You know, people saying like, let's calm down a little bit. You know, it, we're only remembering these big storms that we've seen and that, that's the exception, not the rule to us. Although it seems like it this past decade, but someone brought up a good point uh, too. And, you know, he was saying that, you know, and he's talking more to, more to people my age. So we'll say in their twenties and maybe even some people in their thirties or teens, but you know, I kind of grew up, you know, when I was really like learning about weather in this era where we were just getting pounded with these snowstorms and you kind of think like, oh, this is what should happen. But it, you know, it, it, long term, it's really not. It's just, we've been cashing in, I guess you could say. So it's all about what you remember a lot of times. And, and, and like you said earlier, it only takes one snowstorm. If we, have, if we get one storm here where Atlantic City and Cape May get 18 inches of snow, which we did have uh, maybe a little less, but two winters ago, but if we get something like that again, you're going to remember that winter and be like, oh, winter was saved by that storm. So, but it was only just one day. So anyway, let's turn to some, uh, let's turn to some maybe uh, not as controversial things, uh, some nicer topics. We'll wrap up on this, and that's coastal flooding. Thankfully, we only had one coastal flooding event this month, and that was on the, um, oh, God, the, the day's going to slip me. I believe it was the 25th of January. It was a Saturday. And that was just minor flood stage. And we've really been pretty calm with our waters over really the past couple of months and even extending into the previous winter. So I don't know if you have, I don't know if there's anything really to add, but just kind of reaction or thought on the coastal flooding situation recently. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well. Um, we just haven't had the, a storm track off the coast this winter that would develop major storms that had a long enough time for the winds to blow over those waters and pile up against our shoreline in our bays and up our rivers. And, and, and it's not just a matter of them having hit with out a full moon or a new moon or anything like that. We just haven't had them. Um, and, yeah. and again, that's really good news because oftentimes, sure, one huge storm can outdo the damage of several moderate storms. But we've also seen years where we have multiple moderate storms and they hammer away and can ultimately do a lot of damage. So, you know, we're really, the beaches aren't getting, if you will, ripped apart um, this winter as they do in some. But again, and, uh, you know, I don't know what's coming down the pike. That's for you weather guys for the coming weeks. But, um, <laughs> You know, we're, we're not out of the woods. We've had some major nor'easters in March and April that wreaked havoc on the coast. But all I can say is, if we went into one of those right now, our defenses aren't down along the coast as much as they are some years when you get a couple of early season and a mid-season nor'easter. Your, your beaches and your, your berms and, and, and your dunes are much more vulnerable to a subsequent storm. So in that sense, we're better prepared for your moderate, low to moderate um, nor'easters that might come along in the months ahead. Uh, but again, all bets are off if it's a major storm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Once you get in the 
moderate, you know, moderate or major flood stage. You are talking about widespread problems, but uh, the only, I'll say, significant coastal flooding event we've had in recent memory would be uh, in October. We had multiple cycles that um, were in mind, moderate flood stage. Um, it was pretty low end on the moderate stage, but it did bring some significant beach erosion in parts of Cape May County. But other than that, you know, we've been good. I remember when we talked after October, you, know, you kind of said the same thing, whereas, you know, this, it's not good. It's happening this early in the season, but as long as we don't see anything going forward, we have time to recover and, and we definitely done that. So, wow. We, uh, I think we jammed packed a lot of things into, uh, into this podcast, I guess, uh, for being such a boring month, there's always something to talk about. No, so, uh, just we to- always have something to talk about. Well, I think so. In between the two of us, we can uh, we can fill up uh, time, any kind of time we need to. Uh, but just give us a rundown. Um, anything new going on with the state climate office? And if not, just uh, tell us where you can find the latest climate information in the Great Garden State of New Jersey. Uh, well, we're we're still crunching away here. Uh, good news for our network because of the relatively good weather conditions. This window repair. Uh, some of our stations that were down, we've installed new wind sensors at Atlantic City Marina uh, and Seaside Heights, uh, even up at High Point Monument uh, this past month. Uh, we've rehabilitated a station at Lower Alloways Creek Township by the Salem Nuclear Power Plant that had was attacked by, we think, a coyote who decided to eat a lot of wine. <laughs> and they're now sitting in PVC three feet off the ground. Uh, and just oh, today... Nice. We're rehabilitating a station up in Basking Ridge in the in the headwaters of the Passaic. We've been working on that for uh, the last month or so, and that may be back online. So the the good weather of winter has actually helped us be able to uh, keep up and get ahead with some of our field work. So really pleased about that because you know when the next storm comes along, we want to have the best and most complete. There to to monitor conditions for everyone. So, you know, that's the story out of the state climate office. Otherwise, uh, we invite people always to visit the uh, New Jersey Weather Network site at njweather.org. If you want to look in the long term situations, you want to look up snowfall numbers uh, after snowfall events. (laughs) Or read the narrative I'll be posting early next week on January conditions. Um, that's njclimate.org. Awesome. Well, thank you. And we got, we're saving the best for last year. We have some big news. Uh, thanks to your cooperation and an idea that uh, we're going forward with at the press starting next month. So our February month review, it's going to be done in video and we're doing it over at Stockton. Uh, we work with them uh, a lot with our uh, video production. And we are getting set up. We're going to be side by side. We're going to be, uh, I think it's a split screen box is what we're going to call it. And uh, we're going to be doing this all. It's going to be part of our Press Presents series where we're going to be doing video podcasts uh, from Stockton. And we'll be doing something in the air. And uh, even before we uh, talk to you, Dr. Robinson, at the beginning of March, we will be talking to Gary Sazowski, who is another uh, very uh, well-respected and popular uh, meteorologist in the state. He was the retired, he is the retired uh, meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service in Mount Holly and became a little famous for a storm named Sandy. So we're going to talk about that 
and we're going to talk about the anniversaries that we have with the National Weather Service, NOAA, as well as the American Meteorological Society. So, Dr. Robinson, we appreciate you, uh, you willing to work with us on that. Looking forward to seeing you in, uh, we'll say, kind of in person, in video, and uh, we will chat with you then. Yeah, I'm just going to have to get out of my pajamas then to do this uh, <sighs> now on. Darn it. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll, drop, maybe I'll come in pajamas, and we can just have a real nice, relaxed, uh, casual vibe. You know, we don't have uh, to... Uh, we don't have to make you feel uncomfortable. We, we want you to be comfortable when you're with us. There you go. Well, I, I look forward <laughs> to it. A anything to make it come alive. You know, when I talk to classes around the state, I don't have time to get all over the state. I simply don't. Um, but I find it's much more valuable when I Skype with the class than if I'm just on the phone with them, because it gives you a little bit more. Now that's live, of course, but it gives you just a little more context. Um, and I think that's a real good thing. So I look, I look forward to working with you on this. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, since we're both snow guys, uh, you'll probably be seeing maybe by the time we get to early March, the, uh, the signs of exasperation and desperation on our, on our faces, wondering maybe March can come out and uh, give us a good winter. But we'll see. We still have February to go. So maybe we'll get some snow then. But until then, everybody, uh, take care. It was great being with you all here. This is our Something in the Air podcast. Take care.